What up, what up? Welcome to the There's More podcast. This is your host, Hannah Nitz. Amped, pumped, jazz, ready, excited, and happy to talk to you about the more with God. Do you know that there's more? I've been a Christian my whole life. I've been in church. I've been in Christian school. I've been in small groups, and I've loved it. I've like been doing the God thing, but I just felt like I had all there was. Like I knew the story of the gospel. I knew the sweet gift I got from God, and I just kind of thought all there was left was to learn like these tiny lessons here and there in the Bible and serve, do, give, go. And this idea that there's more in my relationship with God just between me and him for me to experience and know and grow was mind-blowing. So that's what I talk about on the podcast. and I'm so glad you're here to join me because this week I'm talking about two phrases that I've heard in the church, Christian-y phrases maybe, that I don't very much like. <laughs> and as an optimist, this is hard for me because I always pick out the good. And today I'm sharing two things that I don't like and they just, I'm just not into it. So I'm going to dive into it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. Do you ever have phrases, sentences, memories, or conversation that just kind of replay in your head or just stick with you? I know this sounds weird, but that doesn't happen to me very often (laughs) because I don't think a lot. I mean, I do think, but thinking is not natural to me. Like my brain, I have so many friends who are just always thinking. Or I'll hang out with them and, you know, a week later, they'll be like, man, I was replaying every word of our conversation and I just wanted to make sure that when I said this, you took it as this and you didn't get offended. Or like, man, I've been thinking about what you said every day since then. Yeah, I don't know. My brain doesn't naturally do that. Like I can force myself intentionally to think about stuff, but I'm not a deep evaluator and I don't have a good memory. (laughs) Oh, it sounds like a horrible combination, doesn't it? So it is not a super normal occurrence for something to really get stuck in my head, a conversation, a sentence, a thought. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, I can't get it out. It like echoes around in there. Is this what it's like for a lot of you normally? And I've had these two different conversations, these two different sentences that I can't get out of my head. I just keep thinking about them because they were both said by sweet Christians who love God and are in positions of leadership. And the sentences they said bummed me out so bad. And I was like, I don't think those things are true but you're a big deal and you're saying it, so what do I do with that? Okay, the first one. I was in a Bible study and this person was leading the group. And we were talking about, I don't even know if it was during the actual study or maybe it had just ended. And, you know, if you're a woman and you go to women's Bible studies, like a lot of people go not just for the Bible study, but for the community, you know, just like the fun after you get some coffee, you chatty chatty. So I was chatty chattying and the Bible study leader 
said something along the line of, man, I just wish I could be as excited about God as I was when I first came to know him. Like there's nothing like talking to a brand new Christian. I wish you could taste that again. So that was the first sentence that stuck in my brain. Because as I heard it, I was like, huh, that's a bummer of a sentence. And I don't think I agree with it. The second situation was similar. I was talking with someone who loves God, who's a believer, who uh, works in like great work. And (laughs) I'm trying to be so vague. They're an awesome Christian person, okay? And I was going on and on and on, as I normally do, about how awesome it is to get to know God in this deeper way. And and they were like, but then what? And I was like, I don't know what the, the what is. Like, I just spend a lot of time with God. And they were like, but are you doing more? Are you volunteering more? Are you telling more people about Jesus? Because if not, if all you're doing is growing your relationship with God, it's like that old quote. I was like, I don't know what old quote it is. Um, And they said that some people become so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. So I had to go home and Google that. It's by some dude named Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. Don't know who he is, but just in case he's listening, I got to give him proper credit for that quote. Some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Again, that sentence bummed me out. And I was like man, I don't think that's true either. So why did these sentences (laughs) stick with me and bum me out so bad? Um, I think it's because these are phrases or things that you may hear from other believers that just sound so normal that we just accept them as true. But with both of these things, everything in me, in my experience, in my love of the Bible and of what God says, I'm like, guys, I don't think that's true. Because let's let's revisit those. So this first person who said, I wish I could be as excited about God. I wish there was as much joy and excitement in my relationship with God as there was that first day I came to know him. Another way you could say that is my relationship with God and excitement for him has a temporary high. The second sentence, the second conversation that I had, where this person is saying, you can't become so obsessed with God and so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. They're essentially saying that growing your love of God with no immediate action as a follow-up is selfish. And that you can't become too focused on God. Like being too focused on God, desiring too much of God, there has to be a limit or you'll be no earthly good. You'll have essentially your head in the clouds, (laughs) like your head so heavenly minded. Guys, I just need to go on the record and say that I do not agree with either of these sentiments and they really bum me out. And I think the reason they bum me out is, I mean, two years ago, three years ago, you could have caught me saying both of those things. (laughs) I'm serious. 
You could have caught me saying something along the line of, you will experience this high when you come to know Jesus. And then you will also get other highs when you're at a women's conference, when you're at a retreat, when you're going away somewhere and have this experience with God. You get these, you know, jolts of that feeling again. But you can't expect for that to continue to grow or for you to experience that every day. That's not possible. I mean, I probably also would have said the other sentence because you guys know your girl was busy doing stuff. I really felt like the whole point in my relationship with God was making it about other people than helping other people doing, serving, giving, volunteering, life grouping, Bible studying. So I could see myself saying to someone, don't spend so much time in your Bible hidden in your closet that you're not out actually doing something about it in the world. So if I used to be the one saying those sentences, <laughs> why do they bug me so much now? Man, because now that I've experienced the more with God, now that God's taken me from starting in salvation and knowing him, growing to becoming like him, being motivated by him, serving with him. And now this step further past that into this dwelling with him, this having God fulfill my greatest desires, this experiencing God as God, I look back on these sentences or these thoughts of what these people said and what I would have said and it bums me out because I now know that there's so much more and I just wanted to today circle back on some of these you heard me start it out this is why they bum me out um and maybe just a tad of my rebuttal or I suppose sentences I would say instead so for example instead of saying I wish I could be as excited about God as I was when I first knew him. My relationship and excitement with God has a temporary high. Instead, I would say, experiencing the fullness of God has no end. Seriously. I mean, I think you kind of get my, my vibe from the name of the show of There's More. But there's more. Like, sweet friend, it gets better every day. I My friend Kenzie just introduced me to Maverick City, a worship group. Uh, they're on Spotify. They're great. And I was just listening to a song this morning called You Keep On Getting Better. And man, if you like are curious about what that means, turn on that worship song and just like play that for a hot second. Because this idea of God continuing to get better, our relationship with him to get better, our joy to get better, experiencing more and more of the fullness of God. I think of this as I watch my two-year-old son grow. Like every day, Harvey learns something new. I mean, is it always something super exciting? No. <laughs> But uh, today he learned how to open the bottom drawer of my dresser, not just his dresser, which is quite heavy. And he pulled out all of my shorts, pants and yoga pants from my bottom drawer. That's awesome. That's a new trick. Congrats, Harvey. 
because every day he's experiencing more as he's physically growing he's physically learning physically growing and and experiencing more in the world more in our house more in my dresser and grabbing my yoga pants this is a beautiful picture to me of this experience that I get with God if I am seeking the more with God there is more to be known Man, I've been having this sweet experience of um, getting to read the Bible with someone who um, I have been praying for for 10 years to know God. And uh, man, this week we were reading through the book of John together and uh, I'm introducing her to this idea of cross references. (laughs) You know I'm obsessed with the cross-references. I feel like I talk about it in every podcast. Those little tiny verses at the bottom of your Bible. So when you're reading a Bible verse, it shows you other places in the Bible that the story is connected, a same theme is connected, a same word is used. It's so good. All right. So I'm sitting with my friend, and we're reading through John 1. And she's super detailed, super analytical, lots of questions. So much so that we're reading John 1 and somehow we end up talking about like Moses and the Red Sea and the Israelites and like when Jews started believing in Jesus and why some of them don't like we went down a trail. All right. And at the end of our time together, she said something along the lines of like, it's kind of crazy you could read one chapter of the Bible And just get one quick thing out of it, like be kind to your neighbor, which is true. Or you could spend hours reading that same chapter and go a hundred levels deep to know God better. Now, she's exploring Jesus, so I'm not saying that she said it that eloquently. (laughs) But that was the conversation. Like, even my sweet friend who is brand new to experiencing a relationship with Jesus is already seeing, wow, the more I dig, the more there is. And that is why this sentence of, I wish I could feel as excited about God as I was when I first came to know him. I understand the sentiment because I lived there for 10 years. But now in this fullness of joy, friend, I just want you to experience it. And that's why I'm yelling about it on the mic today. Because if you have said that sentence, if you believe that sentence, I just want to push in and tell you that experiencing the fullness of God has no end and it doesn't peak the day you get to know God. This would be like hearing a married couple say that the most in love they ever felt was on their honeymoon. That would be super depressing. Like if you were at your grandparents like 50th wedding anniversary and you were like over your 50 years of love and serving each other and choosing each other, when did you feel the most love and know each other the deepest? And if they looked at each other and then looked out at you and said, well, on our honeymoon, sweetie, (laughs) that would be so depressing like do not take marriage advice from them because the hope is that Julie Slattery taught me this lesson that our love for each other will grow and grow 
as we are married. Yes, it'll be hard. Yes, you'll go through challenges. But you don't want to say that you love each other the most on your honeymoon. And I fear that as a church, we've done that often with our relationship with God, that we think that was the best. The day I got saved, the story of my testimony, this way I got to know God. Yes, the wedding and the honeymoon is amazing. But there's more to experience in the fullness of God. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life in your presence, being with God. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I heard a pastor say, what's more full than full and what lasts longer than forever? (laughs) When he was talking about that verse, I love it. Like this fullness of joy, pleasures forever. That is how it's described as we have our, this presence, this being, this growing with God and experiencing his fullness. The excitement and joy has no end. So here's the deal about me recording a podcast on this topic today. I'm yelling about this. I'm excited about this. And I believe this. Like I've experienced this and I want it for you as well. Like I can honestly sit here and say God's fullness, like my time with God this morning was sweet. And it's not a home run every day. It's not like, you know, oh, man, I just like had the best time of my week reading in Second Corinthians 10 this morning. Like it doesn't mean that it always gives you this elated feeling of excitement. But the long term journey of exploring and seeking the fullness of God does bring this fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore that Psalm 16 is talking about. But here's why it's weird for me to talk about this today. If I had to give a summary of how many minutes I spent crying today, you know what? It might actually be more than minutes. I think it was about two hours. I cried for two hours today, not out of joy, out of sadness, uh, two separate occasions, out of hard things that I'm uh, wrestling with God on. Like, full-on wrestling match. God, what are you doing? I don't understand. Your girl's in pain. This is painful. An hour this morning when I was with God, instead of joyfully reading my Bible and continuing through Second Corinthians like I was hoping, I spent most of it crying and praying about something that's really hard. Uh, went on with my day, came home this afternoon, got something I wasn't expecting, also threw me off. Uh, feels like a loss, feels weird, Uh, locked myself in my room, prayed with God, cried about it for another 60 minutes. So, so, am I qualified to be talking about this? (laughs) And here's why I tell you this kind of overly personal information as I'm teaching this, because I don't want you to mishear me. I don't want you to hear me say, experiencing the fullness of God is always fun. Like, if you're ready for an adventure, call 1-800-BIBLE. I'm not saying that it's always like I want to skip down the sidewalk because I'm so happy about experiencing the fullness of God. But even today, even on a hard day, as I'm 
kind of working my way through this muddy situation, I feel his fullness. And as I sit and cry, I don't sit here in the most contentment I've ever sat in in my life. But even with these hard things, it's like I still taste his fullness of joy and his pleasures forevermore. And I know that sounds weird, but it's hard to describe. It's like if you want to picture this and you're newer to the Bible or even if you're a pro with the Bible, man, read through the book of Psalms. I've been slowly reading through the Psalms. I'm in about like Psalm 40 right now. I think I started at the beginning of the year just like reading a Psalm here or there. That book, (laughs) it's like... It's just this verse I read, like, God, there's fullness of joy. There's pleasures forevermore. Like, who you are is all I desire in this whole world. And then the next chapter is like, my enemies are out to get me. I feel wrung out to dry. (laughs) Like, there is a union and a possibility of experiencing both these things at once. And I think for a long time, I didn't believe that was possible. It was like... God, either I experience your joy and your fullness and your pleasure, or I'm sad. And the fact that God has me sharing this, whatever this is, teaching, podcast, rambling on on a microphone, um, on a day that has felt hard for me, I'm just thankful because it brings a different humility to the conversation and a different earnest, honest feeling that I can say, friends, experiencing this joy of knowing God doesn't peak. It has no end. It keeps getting better. So the second sentence that I had beef with <laughs> that, that I didn't love Uh, was this old quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes of some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Said in this context of like essentially growing your love of God on your own without, you know, getting involved in community or volunteering because of it or something becomes selfish. Like you can't, you be careful that you're not too focused on you and God. It's funny because I'm not a huge John Piper whatever person, fanatic, uh, groupie. Like I don't I don't follow the dude around. However, last week's podcast and this week's podcast, I'm talking about John Piper sermons. So I don't know what's up with that. Um, I love John Piper's truth. I love his teaching. I love how I've used the Bible. I go to his website for a ton of stuff. If I'm trying to understand a verse, I can't figure it out. Sometimes I'll just type in the verse and then John Piper. So like I do trust the dude. I just don't usually listen to a sermon super often. He's a little bit of a yeller, but I'm a yeller too. So I can get behind that. But anyway, I was talking about this whole wrestling with my friend Laura and someone saying this quote and is it selfish for me to spend time with God and so much time with God and what does this look like? She sent me a Piper sermon. I listened to it and it was just so good. So One of the things that John Piper said, (laughs) or the verses that he uh, went to of this question of like, 
can you be, is it selfish to want to desire more and more of God for this internal motivation for more of God without this like huge external, I don't know, result, action, reaction. So he was teaching through Isaiah 26, 8. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. And you know I've talked about desire a lot. I did a whole episode about God doesn't need you to do anything. Of essentially like God desiring our desire, not our doing. That God is seeking and looking for men and women who aren't the busiest ones, but have the strongest desire for him. And I love how this verse talks about this. Like, God, your name is the desire of my heart. In the ESV version, it says the desire of my soul. Man, even if you just look up verses all throughout the Bible talking about our desire, our longing for God. I mean, some of them will sound familiar to you, but if you just read them time after time after time, if you just Google Bible verses about desire, man, just to read through these and say, God, this is what I want. Like, I desire to desire you. Isaiah 26, 9, my soul longs for you, longs for it. Psalm 119.81, my soul desires your salvation. I wait for your word. Psalm 42.2, my soul thirsts for you, the living God. I mean, time after time, these um, individuals all throughout the Bible, it's this desire. I mean, I've talked about this thirst. If Jesus stand and said, if you are thirsty, come to me. If you are hungry, like any desire you have, I long for that. That's like so much of who God is and what he's longing for. And then somehow some of us have convinced ourselves that that must be selfish. Like we can't desire him too much. And I think back to talking about eternal life, this concept of eternal life that we hear up and down, left and right, all over in the Bible, this gift of eternal life that for our trust in Jesus, a part of our salvation comes this gift of eternal life. And that for so long I've thought about this as heaven, as experiencing heaven. It's like, you believe in me? Boom. You get the crown, you go to heaven. So when reading through John and getting to John 17, 3, When Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. Like, man, this thing that God talks about all the time in giving us of eternal life, it isn't that you are like successfully serving and doing, it's that you know God. When you read through these verses of what a heart and soul and person look like, looks like when they're chasing after God, it doesn't say, and you are the most productive for the kingdom, and you serve until you have no energy left, and you volunteer in every position possible to show that you love God. No, it says your heart, where no one sees, is fully desiring you. 
And this is what gets me so jazzed is learning this new activity for me just in this last year of desiring God. And I mean, I don't know if I'll get over this at some point. I don't know if this is just a phase God has me in or (laughs) or if I'm going to live here until I die. I don't know. But right now I'm like, God, is desiring you the whole reason we're here? Is this why you created me? Is this why Jesus came? Like, yeah, Jesus came, we use this phrase, to save me from my sin. But why was my sin a problem? Because it got in the way of my relationship with you. Like this sweetness and relationship and desire, God, of me and you. Is this the whole point? And as I start to ask those questions and read my Bible, I'm like, man, growing your relationship with God is not selfish. It's the reason we're here. Like growing to know and love more and more of him. It's funny because I started with those sentences that drove me nuts. (laughs) Those sentences that bum me out. And as I was listening to that John Piper sermon, I laughed at remembering John Piper. uh, He's, by the way, I've just been talking about him. He's just a pastor. You can look him up. He's awesome. But uh, a quote that he uses often and he used in his book, Desiring God, which I read, I think, in high school. And I remember this quote that he used all the time that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Man, I remember so vividly. I was 18. Caleb was 20. Isn't this funny? I started this podcast by talking about my horrible memory, and here I am pretending like I remember. (laughs) That I remember everything from this story 12 years ago, but I swear that I do. Caleb, (laughs) Caleb read the book, Desiring God told me about it and told me about this phrase. He said, John Piper says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So as an overly confident 18 year old who had grown up in the church, been involved in everything, gone on the missions trips, gone to the Christian school. I'm like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And Caleb and I had a conversation about what that meant. And man, I remember like I remember thinking, well, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I think that means really embodying contentment. Like I am satisfied with the life he's given me. I'm satisfied with the job he has me at and the college I'm in and the friends I have. Like instead of this restlessness and this longing for more, I look around at where I am and I'm satisfied. I am content with where he has me. I remember Caleb and I moving on and having that conversation. And for some reason, for the past 10 years, I've had this phrase somewhere in my brain. And I computed it and understood it as like, when I am content in the life God has given me, I am glorifying God. So 10 years later, as I'm listening to the sermon and I hear this John Piper quote, it's like it slapped me across the face. No, no, Hannah. This quote doesn't say that when we are content, God is most glorified. This quote doesn't say if you like the life God has given you, 
he is most glorified. This quote says, he is most glorified. When we are most satisfied in him, in God alone, not in the life he's given us, not in our family, not in our friends, not in being really involved in a great small group and Bible study and church, not in the serving, not in the personality and the uh, spiritual gifts and all these things he's given me, in him like going back to this original question of like is growing your relationship with God to this deep level selfish no like this this quote of him being glorified when we are most satisfied more than anything in the world God you are what we desire and what we satisfy what we're satisfied by. And man, that is the quote that I want to stand by. Man, I just want to talk about this all the time, like every day, all day long. It's so fun. It's just, man, the more that I push into this and say, God, give me more desire. Give me more desire. It shows up and it's life-changing. So friend, as you're listening to this, if you're like, "Mm, you know what? I probably would have said those phrases. Like the best part of my relationship with God was when I came to know him. Or like, I just don't know about really diving into growing my time with him because it might take away from my serving, my giving, my community. Uh, If you have questions about that, want to talk about that, Man, I would love to. If you head to hannahnitz.com, you can click on the button that says say hello. Or just head over to the Facebook page. Just look for There's More Podcast. Literally, my favorite thing on the planet is to talk to people about the more. And it would be a joy to talk to you about it, dear friend. And just be praying for you so specifically that God would grow a desire for him. A desire for desire. That he would grow this excitement, this fullness of joy in you experiencing all that he is past the gift of salvation, past doing and serving for him. This sweetness, friend, it's available to you. Have you heard the news? Do you know? Are you ready to taste it? Because there is more. <laughs>